Good morning, family. <laughs> it's good to be here with you guys. If you are visiting today, uh, my name is Age. I'm the college pastor here. And our lead pastor, Kyle, is away on sabbatical till the end of July. A sabbatical is basically just a time where a uh, minister gets to uh, take a break, spend some time with the Lord, and allow God to just shape a new vision and direction. And so Kyle is getting to do that. He's in the middle of it. And so we're really glad that he has been doing that. Um, This uh, past month, we've been in a series called Messy Family. And that series has been head up by Adam Parrish, our discipleship pastor. And he has been teaching on this uh, this, uh, series this whole time. And hasn't he done an awesome job? He's not here today. He's on vacation. But let's give him a hand. It's a really good series to be in. And for the next two weeks, uh, student ministers, uh, student ministry takeover. We're taking over. I'm, doing, I'm a college pastor. And then uh, Garrett, our youth pastor, he'll be speaking next week. He will be closing out the series. And then the following week, we'll have Adam Parrish back, and he will be talking on small groups, okay? So be looking forward to those two weeks coming up. Um, and uh, pray for uh, Adam as he's on vacation and Kyle as he's on sabbatical. We're in a series uh, focused on family, and the series clarity for the, uh, for the series is God can bring hope and healing to even the messiest family. And every week we have learned a little bit more as to how Jesus wants to bring hope and healing to our lives, to our families' lives, to our households. And this week... Of all the opportunities in this series to to share, this is the one that I would have picked myself. It's the one I'm the most excited about. It's the one that I feel like I've had to learn and live out uh, a whole lot, or at least the most, um, as as a minister especially. Uh, This week, we are looking at Jesus redefining what family is. Jesus redefines what family is. Before we get too far into it, uh, the main focus for today is family is more than just a household or our biology. It's who we journey with and who we journey like. Okay? I'm giving you, right now I'm telling you the whole point of today. All right? So you ready to go home? You can go home right now. We have Don't Miss Sunday and then this Sunday's Do Miss Sunday because age is up to bad. Okay? Now, before we get too far into it, um, let's go ahead and introduce you to Throwback Age. Where is that? Let's see. Oh, I got it. Go ahead and click on it. All right. Fan, look at that guy. This is, uh, where's, the, where's the little light? I don't know how it works, but right there. Yeah, that's, that's gold right there. Yeah, it's not beautiful. <laughs> There's no beard. This is a throwback age. I call it throwback age. It's also what I would consider dysfunctional age, except for I'm still pretty dysfunctional. But at this time, this is when I was... In my dysfunctional stage, in our family, I was the dysfunctional mess. I was the black sheep in our family. 
Uh, I, I come from a family of four. My dad is an accountant and uh, really involved in school board. And my mother's a hair stylist, amazing woman. And then my sister, okay, she's, she's the normal one. She's the one that's got all the intelligence. She just wrapped up her doctorate. And then um, she's also got uh, the athleticism. Okay, she's a good athlete. She made all stars almost every time she played something. And then um, and then lastly, of course, she's got the good looks. All right. So I was born first. I'm three years older, but she acts like she's three years older than me. Okay, she's the mature one. She's the good looking one. She's the smart one. And she's the athletic one. And I was the dysfunctional mess. One of the things I did, it was junior high through high school. One of the things we would do, especially in junior high, actually mostly junior high, a cousin of mine and I would, uh, we would walk to the market and or the store. There was a, a collectible store. We'd walk to the market or the, the collectible store. I would walk in and I would be the distraction, okay? I would go in, I'd be the distraction, and he would start stuff in his pockets with all the candy bars and the candy and the soda that we wanted for the fort that we were about to go to. And so we would go and we would take things. I, I wasn't the, the mule. I didn't do the mule part. I did the distracted part. But a lot of things we did, we're not so, I'm not so proud of. And there's a throwback age that my parents may not even know of some of the things I did. But in the process of that, I was dysfunctional, I was a mess, and my family struggled with that. They had a hard time with that. And for my father, there were times when he talked about the idea of maybe sending me off to like military school or sending me off to boarding school. But that was expensive, and so before he decided to do that, he did something a little unique. He threw a Hail Mary. He started taking us to church. He thought that maybe the church could help with my issues and my dysfunction and my mess. And the great outcome of that was that in my dysfunction and in my mess and in my craziness, I felt empty, I felt alone, I felt like I didn't have a purpose. I definitely was already living in my sister's shadow. So what do I do? And then my dad brought me to church and I found Jesus Jesus gave me a purpose. He gave me a place to belong to. And so I quickly learned that family is more than just blood or who's in your household. We're going to be in uh, Mark chapter 3. If you want to go ahead and open, if you got uh, a notebook and you like to write stuff, that we like to do that in the college group. We like to write stuff down, even if it's not really worth writing down, we still write it down. It's a lot of, a lot of fun, and if you like to doodle, go ahead and doodle. But we're going to be in Mark chapter 3, and we learn that Jesus was considered the dysfunctional one. Before we get too far in this redefinition of family, we're going to go ahead and identify with something really neat, at least for me. If you were the dysfunctional one, if you feel like you are still the dysfunctional, if you feel like you've been the black sheep or are the black sheep in your family, or if you're in a family and you've got a black sheep or you've got a messy one or you've got a dysfunctional one, hey, I got good news for you. Even Jesus' family was messy and dysfunctional. And what's even really cool about it was Jesus was the dysfunctional one to his family. 
Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he was the sinful one. Now, that was me. But Jesus was considered the dysfunctional one to his family. I mean, how could he not be, right? His birth alone was a scandal. How could that not be considered dysfunctional? Another dysfunctional thing, at least from my end, I look at, you see Jesus, his parents had left, and he'd stayed behind, and it took them a whole day before they realized he was gone, and where'd they find him? Sitting at the temple being taught. That's dysfunctional to me a little bit. Where was he? He was sitting, his family made it away a day before they even realized anything. And then you run into this passage here in Mark chapter 3, and this is where we're going to kind of camp out today. It says, one time Jesus entered a house. I'll let you go through the slides there. One time Jesus entered a house, and the crowds began to gather again. I like how that kind of is worded. They're kind of not just saying they gathered. No, they're like, they gathered again. It's a common thing for them. And soon he and his disciples couldn't even find time to eat. When his family heard what was happening, they tried to take him away, saying, he is out of his mind. This is one moment in the the passage uh, in the scriptures where we look at Jesus' life and we recognize that his family even thought he was kind of crazy. I don't know how you get when you're hungry, but I believe there's snicker commercials that like to uh, try to focus on that. You get hangry, you got to get a snickers. And his family, they recognized it. They thought he was crazy. And so we can relate to that a little bit. We can relate to this whole idea, this overarching theme that oh, every family is messy and no family is normal. And if it's normal, you're doing it wrong. Then Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him. They stood outside and sent word for him to come out and talk with them. There was a crowd sitting around Jesus. It's a really cool family right there, right? We kind of pass by that little moment. His family recognizes the hard work and the craziness, and yet they still what? They try to bail them out. Good for them. Family's awesome for that kind of thing. I didn't want to jump over that before we moved on. And then someone said, your mother and your brothers are outside asking for you. And then Jesus, Jesus replied, who is my mother? And who are my brothers? Like generally, even in our culture, it's really uh, normal when your family comes maybe to your work, you don't want them to show up at your work, right? And if you're in, you're in school, you don't want your parents showing up at your school. But it's very normal that you drop everything and you just you go to them because what family is the most important thing, no matter what you're doing. But Jesus takes a moment to completely, radically transform and change everything we understand about what family is. He replies with, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he looked at those around him and said, look, these are my mothers and brothers. Sorry, I'm using a clipboard. Kind of old-fashioned or tacky, but I'm going to go for it. The messy one, okay? Then he looked around him and said, Look, these are my brothers. These are my mother. See, we learn that uh, 
that family, the way Jesus defines family, is family are the people, the people that journey with Jesus. Now, that, that doesn't exclude his actual mother, Mary. It doesn't exclude his brothers. It includes them. But it's not limited to them. It's so much more. The first time I encountered this, this idea of family being more than your household or your bloodline or your biology was my little abuelita, Doña Miki. Okay, Doña Miki was this cute, you got a, I got a picture of her, she's in there. Can you bring that up? Where's she? There she is. That's Doña Miki, that's abuelita, okay? Abuelita was the, like the cutest old lady, Okay. She, she had like this little hunch and she moved a million miles an hour and she would just get it. Every morning she'd wake up and she'd just get to work. Now, my mother and my abuelita are from Mexico, okay? And so every month for a weekend, we would pack up. My mo- and my, this story starts with my mother. We would pack up. My mother would take us to like Sam's Club or Costco or any store like Food for Less. And we would pack out our little Dodge Caravan full of food. Food, clothing, shoes, whatever we needed. And then we would hit the road for about four hours till we got to Mexicali, Mexico. All right, it's in Baja. We'd cross the border, and then we would just unload this van of goodies, okay? My mother was the standard of generosity in my life, okay? And she would do that, and we would get down there. And my little abuelita, she would, she would get up every morning like at 5 or 5.30. I'm not even sure what time it is. I'm not a morning person. I never was. And she would get up, and that little, that little woman just would just take all that food, all that stuff that, that my mother had brought, and then whatever she'd have, and she'd get to work. She'd have breakfast ready. And then she'd also be getting lunch ready. And, and also... On top of lunch, dinner would be getting prepared all at 5.30 in the morning. It all happened right off the bat. And I don't know how she did it, but she would work her tail off. And I remember those moments because guess what? At 5.30 in the morning, not a morning person, I would get up because I'd hear all the pots and pans. I'd go over to Abuelita and I would like hang out with her. And then I'd help her make tortillas. It was my favorite thing in the world. I made Gumby tortillas and Mickey Mouse tortillas, and then she would take those and set them aside and not feed that to anybody because they were awful. But it was a good memory. But it wasn't just the tortillas and all the hard work and all the stuff she did slaving away every day for three square meals in the 5.30 a.m. early morning stuff that really changed my mindset about family. What changed my mindset about family was that when I'd sit at the breakfast table, it wasn't just prepared for my, myself, my dad, and my other nine aunts and uncles. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner was prepared for whoever from the community was hungry and needed something to eat. There were days I sat there. Man, sorry. People I never saw before. Entering the doors and eating right next to me. I didn't even know. And that was the first time in my entire life that I ever saw anything like it. And so when you come to the church, when I see the church, 
And I see things like Pitnaz in the Park, community events, Don't Miss Sundays, all these things that we do, those are family moments. Those are like those moments I had with Abuelita. They're special. They're, they're, they matter. They define family. You see, family wasn't just his biological family. He didn't exclude them. He maybe didn't run outside and find out what they needed. Really, all they were trying to do was get them away. But he included them. They journeyed with him. Mass crowds, that is defined as a people. That is all sorts of different walks of life. Crowds in general, races, cultures, nations, all sorts of people represented in just a simple crowd. See, crowds journeyed with Jesus. The needy. We're not just talking the people that were hungry. We're not just talking the people that didn't have money. We're talking the people who were paralyzed, had ailments. We're also talking the people who needed a Savior. This is an interesting one. That all, this is also considered family here. Spiritual leaders, social leaders of the time. He counted them in as family. Why is that unique or special? Because a lot of the leaders of the time, they, they were journeying with Jesus, but as they journeyed with Jesus, they questioned everything he, he did. They challenged Everything Jesus did. When you find any confrontation that is made with Jesus, it's the spiritual leaders, the social leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the zealots, the scribes, questioning Jesus. Even saying terrible things about him. Even to the point of taking him and putting him on trial. See, Jesus journeyed with them too. You see, Jesus wasn't specific about a household for walls in which we all live, and that's, a house, that's not a family. That's what we call a family today. Really, that's just more a tribe. Ray and Asher and me, we're just a tribe here. You see, Israel was a family made up of tribes. And today we've adopted the idea that the tribe is all that matters. But Jesus redefines it. He teaches us that family journey with him and they seek Jesus. So how do we embrace Christ's definition of family and take that journey? Family journey like Jesus. It says anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. That's in verse 35. I want you guys to say this word, thelema. Say it with me, thelema. Let's try it one more time. Thelema. Okay, I just made you all say it. I'm not even sure that's how you say it. I pressed the button on pronouncing. That's how it sounded. And I'm pretty sure that's how you say it. Okay, so thelema is an important word for will. Okay? Do my father will. So look at this. Anyone who does God's will is my family. Really cool thing about the word will, thelema, is that what it really gets down to 
is inclination, attitude, a person's natural tendency or urge to act or feel in a particular way, a desire or impulse. What essentially is being said is that thelema, whoever acts or has God's attitude, is family. Whoever does God's at whoever has his inclination, whoever has the tendency to act and do what God wants done, whoever embraces God's attitude is considered family. This is how we can embrace the journey. This is how we embrace that redefinition, redefinition of family being more than a household or biology. This is how we journey. Here's a couple examples of how we can pull that off. Three attitudes for the journey. The first thing we can do is we can stop being recluses. It's really easy in our culture. We're recluses. We can open up our homes. We can try a little thing called hospitality. Hospitality. We could try it. We try to see we're so closed about our family lives that we shut out anything else that could be good. I'm not saying that we're all terrible because of it. I know I can do it. I know it's just a natural thing. I know that's how it's been defined for us. But we do not open our our homes. We don't bring people to the table. We don't spend time talking about Jesus in our homes with people that don't share the same blood or live there. We could try this. We can try journeying like Jesus by opening up our homes. Now, Jesus didn't have a home, but people opened up their homes to Jesus. And in those homes, lives changed. So let me give you a couple ways you can practice that. A couple ways we can open our homes or share life with each other in each other's homes. The first thing, and I'm going to pitch it before, before Adam. Adam's going to bring it home in two weeks. Small groups. Guys, pit Naz small groups is a beautiful thing. It's not some cookie cutter thing that is copy and pasted and everybody's doing the same thing. Every group has a life of its own. Every small group has become a family of its own. So what we see in our church is God's definition of family happening through the life of small groups. When we gather in each other's homes and share life with each other and journey together and learn about how to do that well, when we do that, when we join a small group, we're doing it right. So if you're in a small group, you already know what I'm talking about. If you're, if you're not in a small group, that's okay. Get in one. In the fall, we're going to be relaunching small groups. It's an awesome opportunity to journey like Jesus. The next thing is we have a a friendship family program. There's this really ugly statistic I heard the other day. I was meeting with um, Aaron Hurt. He goes here. He comes to our church. He um, works in the international student office at Pitt State. And we were having coffee, and he wasn't completely sure of the exact number, but he remembered or recalled hearing a number that, even if it's remotely close to this percentage, it's just not cool. But he was saying somewhere around 90% or 
around that number. 90% of international students will come to America, study abroad from their nation. They will come here, and 90% of those students will have never entered into the home of the modern American family. They will have never been treated to a home-cooked meal or be exposed to a family environment in the United States while studying abroad. Now, I've gotten to hang with a few international students, but I felt a little embarrassed by that, especially being this close to that campus. Guys, there will be an opportunity here in the fall when school gets back in. We have international students flying in from all over the world that we get to share life with. They're part of the crowd. Jesus included the crowd. So one way we can journey like Jesus and show hospitality is to look into this friendship family program. Basically, you get to connect with the student, and every once in a while throughout their time here, you just take them out for dinner or invite them over for dinner or take them to a kid's game, expose them to a little sport called baseball or football or any other sport you'd like. I don't care. But if you, if you try to teach them about soccer, you're going to learn something instead of them learning from you. There's also another thing. You don't want to open your house. Why? Because all that black mold you don't want people to see? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe your home's not really set up for a large group of people. That's okay. That's okay. I have one way to help with that. We have a thing called the homestead, where college students are coming and being loved on and being hosted and being brought along in our journey as a church. And they are coming and they are living life with with Jesus. They are journeying with Jesus and like Jesus. And you can be a part of that. If you're interested in the homestead, come talk to me. It's as little as three hours during a week. And it's not every week you'd have to do it. But it's just one way to journey like Jesus, to have the attitude of hospitality and practice that. You can do that. Those are three ways we can practice hospitality. The next thing we can do, the next attitude we can have is practicing humility. See, pride is the biggest thing that gets in the way of our families, finding hope and healing. We're too proud to say that we need help, that we can't do it as a family unit on our own, as a tribe on our own. We have to have it all figured out. We are not willing to let anyone know that we're messy. We need people to know that we are normal. The biggest decision my dad made for me that I'm so grateful for was in my mess that he brought me to a church My dad, he humbled himself in a way that that must have been hard. He's a, he was kind of a public figure in our town, and he would have to deal with the principal calling him and asking, what do we do with your son? You know what my dad said? Give him the worst. What kind of pressure I put on him. Pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. If you're too proud to let others in and help, it's not going to end well. That dysfunction and mess becomes destruction in an unhealthy place at home. The next thing is that we struggle with 
we need to have an attitude of acceptance. We are continually in denial about the help we need. We are continually in denial. You see, we watch TV or we kind of socially talk about family and we kind of look at it and we go, okay, every family's messy. Have you seen This Is Us? They're messy. Okay. Well, they're messy. We're messy too. It's okay. Everybody's family is dysfunctional. Everybody's family is a mess. It's okay. We don't need to worry about it. We just keep it in our doors. We just keep it blood and it's all good. Like it's biological and every family is just messy and we just, it's how it is. Deal with it. Something about denial is that when we live a life knowing something's wrong and we're in denial of it, we deny the loved ones in our life, Jesus. I swear to it, we deny people. There's this verse that came up the other day. But those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household, have denied the true faith. Such people are worse than unbelievers. Look, it's not that we're terrible people because we, we're just accepting that family is messy and you can't do anything about it, so just let it happen. There's nothing terrible about it. That's just the narrative we know. We don't know any different. But when Jesus redefines it for us and we know that and we're not willing to accept that we can use the family to help shape our tribe, our household. When we're in denial, we deny our family of Jesus. That's the scariest thing. Is the stuff that Adam's been talking about each week and what Garrett's going to close out next week. These things we cannot live in denial about. We can't be prideful about it. We have to stop being recluses. We have to start the journey. And the journey is with Jesus. And as we do that, we're intended to journey like Jesus. Look, I, I, I don't know what everyone's household is. I was fortunate. I had, I had both my parents. And I'd say both my parents are pretty top-notch people. You know because you'd look at my sister and you just think, wow. But my family couldn't do it alone. Your family, your household, your tribe can't do it alone. What is it? that we're in denial about. What's going on in your family? What's messy? What's dysfunctional? Who's the black sheep? Is it you or is it someone in your family? See, God intended a journey with Israel. Over and over again, he, he attempted, he even gave them a name. Their name was Israel. And then even then, they were broken up into tribes because he, he recognized that the tribes had specific special purposes, but they were not intended, the 12, to be separate from Israel. They were intended to live life as a family, as a, 
as a big, huge family. Israel was not intended to be divided. And when Israel, you can read it in the New Testament, every time Israel would just stay in denial, keep things messy, stop journeying with God, every time they broke that cycle, what would happen? Division. What happens in division? They fall apart. Israel falls apart. What does that look like? Nations take over. Bad influences come in to what was intended to be with God. They come in and they destroy it. Not only do they destroy Israel or the tribe, they enslave it. They don't only enslave it, but they scatter the family all over. God intended even the tribes to be a family. And what did Christ do? He came, fulfilled the law, gave us something greater than anything, which is love. And the willingness and the ability to accept everybody into a family so that we can journey with Jesus like Jesus. We're about to sing. And this song wasn't intended to just be a song where we sing out and sing along with. I asked Brian to, to have a song, but I want you to take time right now to reflect on your family. I want you to lift up your family right now and pray. You can come to the altar with your family. Wouldn't that be great? If you got a family member here, could you consider just bringing your family member to the altar and just praying for your family? Pray about the places where in your life where you can be more hospitable toward God's family. Stop being a recluse. Start praying about the pride in your family. What is the pride that is preventing the humility that would allow God to change and shape the mess in your family? What are we in denial of as families? What do we need to, what do we need to work on? Let's take this time to just reflect on that. Let's spend time praying and And then I'm going to come back up and pray and close this out. But could we do that, please? When we embrace Jesus' definition of family, when we embrace that, the dysfunctional ones, the messy ones in our families, when we look at, at our family being so much bigger than our household and our biology, when we see that, we then recognize those dysfunctional ones, the, the complaints in our family. We then realize that they're not just, they're not complaints. They are a contribution to the kingdom of God, to the greater family. Why? Because they may not make sense in your household or in your tribe, but God has a plan. He's got a purpose and he wants to use them for the family of God. None of that will happen if we don't change the definition of what family is. What will happen? People who have a home life that has a missing father or where the addictions have taken over or the abuse has set in and won't change, God will change it. 
And next week, we'll find out further about God's heart for us as a family. Garrett's going to bring it home. But what would happen if we changed our definition of family? I got a few in-house examples of what I've witnessed in the last year. Students who go on mission trips, they will find people they never met and they will instantly become family. College students from all over the United States and even the world will gather at a table and have meals. We'll have successful small groups like we've had. We'll have amazing opportunities in the park where we gather together as family and we have a good time. But what more can happen when we embrace Jesus' definition of family. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for changing our world, for uniting us. Lord, let our families, our households, our tribes, let them be part of your kingdom, of, of your family. God, help us to embrace that. Help us to not let our desire to be recluses. Don't let our pride and do not let our inability to, to let go of the denial that we have. God, help us to throw all that out and to embrace the journey with you, Jesus. And help us to journey like you. We love you. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Go in love, be in love, and love in others. Have a good Sunday.